0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oakbrook. My name is Sue Ann Canfield. I serve on staff here at the church and I have the joy of being the host of this podcast. If you've been hanging around here at Deeper Still for a little while, you know that we are all about carving out space, to pay attention to what God is doing both in our lives and in the world around us as He calls us to go deeper still in relationship with Him and with one another. So no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what circumstances are surrounding you, where you're at on your faith journey, I am just so glad that you created space to be with us here today. Well, today I'm excited to continue our conversation on the book of Ephesians as we dig into Ephesians chapter three. If you've been following along on this conversation, I hope you have learned some things. I hope your soul has been stirred. I hope God is using it to transform not just what you know about him, but how you are experiencing him, which is one of the things that we are going to talk about today as we continue uh, this letter that Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus. It contains today in chapter three, one of the most beautiful prayers in all of scripture. And so I can't wait for you to dig into that with us. Here to help guide us today is my friend, my lovely and wise conversation partner, Chris Stevenson. So friends, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, wherever you find yourself today, settle in. Open your Bible, if you can, to Ephesians chapter three, and then listen in as Chris and I go deeper still. Well, Chris, welcome back. It is so good uh, to have you here today as we continue this conversation on the Book of Ephesians. It is good to be back. I love
1: that we didn't go quite so long. I had like almost a year gap between our last two sessions. And so I love that uh, we're back in here, getting back at the Word. I had um, so much fun listening to you and Lisa last week. She just she's so
0: good. It was such a fun conversation and I think that's the value of and and you know that one of the joys of doing ministry with people that you partner with and just roll up your sleeves alongside and link arms with is that you know Lisa was one of my very first friends when we moved here to Chicago we didn't know anybody and uh, she and her family just were so kind to us we were we moved 3 days before Christmas and she invited us over for Christmas day that, that very first christmas 16 years ago and you know we'd met one time and so it's just fun to uh, do life and ministry together over a period of years and just even some of the things we talked about just because I know her story. And right. that's the value of community and, and doing this stuff together.
1: Yeah, it was great. And I, I was loving the idea. I don't know if it ended up playing out on social media of, of, um, are you a good news person or a bad news person? Because I was listening to it and I was like nodding along. <laughs> like I am a give me the bad news for sure first. But I thought Lisa articulated it so well, like, I want the bad news first, so that I can fully enjoy the good news. Because if if you know there's bad news coming, and it's just dangling out there, it just
0: kind of it puts a damper, like yeah, a wet blanket yeah. on
1: on the good news. So I love that. I, I also love that that she got to do the bad news part. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians two, and I'm really glad that I get to be here for Ephesians three, which by my account is is pretty much all good news
0: all good news. You're a good news kind of person. So I am a good news kind of person. <laughs> you're, you're a very <laughs> joyful kind of person. That's why I keep you around. You, you always lift my spirits. So, well, I'm glad then how awesome that you uh, get to be my conversation partner uh, through Ephesians chapter three. And we are going to talk about a lot of good news. And so uh, for our listeners, if you didn't get a chance to listen to uh, what we talked about in Ephesians chapter two and some of that good news, bad news that Chris is talking to about, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Lisa really did have some great wisdom and just shared some of her own life experience that I thought it was really helpful to that conversation. So go back and listen to that. Um, but today we are diving into Ephesians chapter three and one of the things I love about doing this and love these conversations is just we we get to look at the text from so many different angles and, and bring different things out. And Chris, as I read your notes just preparing for today, I was just struck again about the depth of God's word. And uh, we're gonna see that throughout the conversation, but it just is like it's just like gosh, you just scratch the surface. Uh, even when we go deep, it's like we're just scratching the surface. I know. It's I, I look
1: and like there's there's 21 verses, and I'm like, if we get to the end of of this time together and have even scratched the surface of three of them, I feel like we'll be we'll be in good shape. <laughs> so you know, fair warning to anyone listening, um, we may we may jump in and out of things, but. Um, that's just the beautiful thing about God's word is that when you take the time to sit with it even if you don't understand it fully which you know on this side of heaven we're we're not going to we have our our finite human minds but um, with the Holy Spirit we can just have some of those layers peeled away, and it's kind of exciting when that Good happens. It's stuff.
0: It is exciting. I love it. I was just saying to a group of people yesterday, I said, you know, when mm-hmm. someone asked me what my favorite book of the Bible is, I always say whatever book I'm currently studying because that's what happens. You start peeling back the layers, and to me, every bit of it is just amazing. I, I just can't believe the, the things that I learned. Yeah. And uh, so everything, now I'm like, let's talk about Ephesians. Let's preach Ephesians. You know what? Yep. <laughs> Ephesians 3. Let's do it. And so I uh, just love that about God's Word. Well, today Today, just to give our listeners an idea of where we're headed so we are going to talk about um, chapter 3 in its entirety at least the best we can we won't get to everything but uh, there's 21 verses and so what we're going to do is we're going to break it up into two sections and so we're going to talk about uh, verses 1 through 13 to start out and um, and then we're going to talk about verses 14 to 20 that actually is this really beautiful prayer that we're going to see is right in the middle of the book, and it's it's the perfect place for it for a couple of reasons. So we'll get to that at the end, but let's start out with those first Um, First, 13 verses, and Chris, uh, you're always so good. I'm going to ask you to do the honor of reading that to give our audience a little context. I know it's long, but it's good for people to know um, some of the stuff we're talking about. So go ahead. Will you read that for us? Let's go. I'd be
1: glad to. Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less, less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me, In Him, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory.
0: Word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Amen. Um, So, Paul starts out this chapter, now, he starts out with for this reason, which we're going to come back to in just a minute, because it's funny, because he says for this reason, and then we're going to see he goes on this um, big old tangent before he actually gets to the reason that he says for this reason, which you and I both, we're Bible nerds, whatever, we both (laughs) thought that was really funny. Um, But I want to call attention, because this is one of those things that's easy to skip over, and I always say, if we want to be good Bible students, it's good to pay attention to these kinds of things. That Paul, right in the middle of the letter, he identifies himself as the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, we've talked about some of this already. That should, if you've been paying attention, especially for you ladies who may be going through the study with us in our Well Bible study, those words should ring um, there should be some bells going off there because the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And so Chris, what goes off for you when you read a couple of those phrases?
1: Well, I mean, I think first of all, to uh, the human, to, you know, to the the human eye, it, it would appear that um, Paul is actually prisoner of the Romans. <laughs> and yet he chooses um, to set that side apart and to, to link his imprisonment that it, it's, because of Christ Jesus, that he's willingly imprisoned. Yes, he is under Roman house arrest and chained to a guard at night
0: as he's writing
1: this. As so it's just he's he's to remind, this it, remind people of that. Um, but he's linking his imprisonment and the suffering that goes along with that directly with God's plans and purposes, and goes a, a step further and specifies that it's for the sake of the Gentiles. Um, and again, and I feel like we kind of keep beating this drum, but. In fairness, Paul kind of keeps beating this drum. He keeps coming back to it. Remember who Paul is. He is that utterly Jewish. utterly you know, he's trained as a Pharisee. He had pursued Jewish people who had um, decided to follow Jesus the Messiah. He, as a Jewish man once in the past, has drawn boundaries all around himself to identify himself as strictly Jewish and acts with violence against people who cross those boundaries and now now he's in prison for proclaiming that very message it's just and again i feel like we keep repeating it but i think it bears repeating like yeah. that's how passionate he is and that's the calling that that christ has placed on his heart and that he's being obedient to
0: Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of when we were reading James last year when we were studying James and James identifies himself in the first line of his letter as a slave or a servant of Christ. And it's this idea of their identity is so um, tied to who they are now as this new creation, as a person who now uh, is sold out to yeah. this new rabbi, this master, this Lord, their savior, that uh, has so formationally changed their identity that now that's how they identify themselves. And for us today, it just it's always a little bit of a, um, you know, uh point in my spirit to say, golly, I you know, I identify myself in so many ways by the different roles I play, by my work life, by you know, whose parent I am or, you know, whose wife I am, or you know, what I do every day. Um, but how often do we say that first and foremost is who we are? And we've said that the whole first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is Paul rooting us in our identity, what Christ has done for us and who we are. And and we're gonna see the next three chapters are gonna be about them. What do we do about that? Right. How do we live? But we continually come back to this idea of it's first and foremost who we are as a child of the Most High King. And, and those phrases, when we stop and think about that, remind us for that remind us of that, I should say. And so Paul starts out with that, his identity as well as his calling for the sake of you Gentiles, a reminder of what God has called him to, the purpose of him writing this letter. Uh, and so he throws in that little line, but I'm going to go back because he starts out this section with, for this reason. And I'm like, okay. And again, as a Bible student, you're like, okay, for what reason? What is the reason? And, and what are you going to say after that? And then he spends the next 12 verses not telling us uh, what he's going to say. He goes on on this uh, holy rabbit trail is one of our uh, commentators that we read talked about. But uh, for this reason, as a good Bible student, it, it does cue us in also to go back and say, well, okay, what has he said leading up to this point that he's saying for this reason? For What is the this? And so just as a reminder, at the end of chapter 2, you know he spent a lot of time again this this uh, divide between the Jewish people and the Gentiles that was a real thing you know all of a sudden you had these two groups of people who were not used to being in community together in fact that they were in the opposite of whatever that would look like and now uh, because of the work of Christ and him inviting everybody to the table and throwing up the doors and saying ah we're all doing church together now like Jews Gentiles slave free man woman we're all in this together and and so he's reminded The Jews and the Gentiles to say the wall of hostility that used to be between us um, no longer exists, that there's no more barriers. And he reminds them back in chapter two that they used to be foreigners and strangers, uh, which I think is, you know, Paul uses that language throughout the Old Testament, aliens, you know, we see a lot of that language along with the other uh, other apostles. And so he's saying, you used to be foreigners and strangers, but now you're fellow citizens with God's people, that you are members of the household. You are part of the family. Christ is our cornerstone. And in uh, chapter two, verse 21, he says, in him, meaning in Christ, um, what does that say? I didn't do that. Right. <laughs> I'm reading my notes. So I'm like, wait, that doesn't make uh. sense. Uh, that all of them together they rise. Oh, here we go. That together, then all of the people are now the holy temple of the Lord, uh, meaning the church, and that the Holy Spirit is living in them. And so this is just like revolutionary talk about identity.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think you know, in the oh, and he gets into this a little bit in these next couple verses, but. You know, God throughout the Old Testament kind of drops hints that this that His plan includes Gentiles, and and you know we see you know the amazing stories which we always love about you know Ruth being part of Mm -hmm. the family lineage of Jesus, Ruth a Moabitess, and of Rahab the prostitute ends up in the family line of Jesus, and so there are there are hints throughout the Old Testament. But one of the commentators I had pointed out that while God alludes through circumstances and prophecies in the old testament that you know he is setting the jewish people apart to bless the nations and that blessing will come to the nations nowhere does it ever talk about them doing that together mm. it's the togetherness that's so ground-shattering so when paul is preaching the gospel he's not just preaching the gospel and saying to your point oh and now you gentiles you ephesians you go have your ephesian church over there right it's that unity factor. that, yeah. And I think it's Jo Saxton has this thing that she calls um, earthquake moments, that there mm. are things in Scripture that are so familiar to us if we've been reading them for a long time that we don't maybe think about what a big deal they are. It's like, oh, yeah, Jesus and we've been hearing that, I and mean, that's part of our Bible that we've been reading as long as we've been believers. Um, that was an earthquake moment yeah. for the Jewish and Gentile church.
0: Yes. And, and what a picture for us today to think. I love that you said that about, you know, Paul or Jesus did not say, Hey, start your own Gentile church. You know, uh, we love you. We, we, you are equal, but yet we're going to, you have your own church and we're going to have our church. And I, I've wrestled with that and just been thinking about, you know, the implications for that today of, of the kinds of people that maybe in the ways that we do that. I'm taking a graduate class right now and just talking about, um, you know, even with all of, of the progress we have made in racial unity, that Sunday mornings is still the most segregated hour uh, in the country, and and there are reasons for that. But when I think about that, and I think you know, uh, that's not the way God intended all the time, or that's not the way He, he intended. It's not when we look at people um, for whatever reason it may be, those others in our lives, and and we say, you know, oh yes, I. You are equal, uh, but yet we're not going to sh- sit at the table together. Uh, you know, you have your own table, and so it's just I- I'm kind of babbling a little bit, but it's just some stuff I, th- I think it's good to wrestle through as we look around today yeah, and just say yeah. what what does that look like. Well, and I think the other bit of the
1: for this reason that you guys talked about last night is that that bad news that becomes good news, which is that I don't care who you are, if you are a Jewish believer, if you're a Gentile believer, if you're a 21st century believer. Or a first-century believer, that level playing field of we're all dead in our sin, yeah. and I think that's the other piece that that we're dead in our sin, but God—that's what's motivating this whole message. Yes, that that passion—that's
0: the gospel. Yes, for and then it's for everybody. Yes, Amen, Amen. That's well said. Um okay we digress really quickly. So <laughs> verse 2 exactly no one <laughs> verse 2. Um so for this reason and then here's the tangent cuz he's like, "Well, surely you've heard." Uh, and, and that's just me doing Paul. Uh <laughs> "Surely you have heard about my story," he says. Um but you know, for a moment I did have this moment of feeling like, Paul are you just being arrogant, but um, one thing that has come out of these verses, it's given me a new appreciation for Paul's humility and his dependence on God, and I think I, I for some reason have missed that at other times, and so um, Paul is reminding them. Uh, you know, he says, "Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you," and he's reminding them of this dramatic. Uh, transformation, again, that he has had, his conversion story that he, throughout this letter, just says is all because of grace. It's nothing he did that God pursued him and found him, and he had this moment, and he he calls it in these couple verses a mystery, like the mystery of God's grace, the fact that when you think about um, Paul's story that the resurrected Christ showed up on a road to a man who abhorred Christ at the time. I mean, that is a mystery of God's grace. Yeah, and I think
1: I'm the same way. I have a heart. I've, I've, I think we said this several years ago when we were studying First Peter with our Tuesday morning women's study, and I'm like, I have I, for some reason, Peter settles a little better with me than Paul. Paul sometimes comes off so, so like, rah, you know. But I have, like, you've been kind of reminded, like, this isn't a false humility here. This is his his real awareness yes. of the, you know, by grace he has been saved. <coughs> and again, it's that um, that grace that he's now just so excited about that it's so overwhelming. I mean, he uses all this language throughout Ephesians that's so overwhelming and abundant and mysterious and beyond. Because that's what he's experiencing, and I think you know to bring it into our life experiences, to my life experience, is that my reaction Mm. to the grace by which I have been saved is to first of all remind people, you know, kind of how not awesome I am and was and (laughs) will still be, (laughs) Um, but then to proclaim the saving grace of Christ in that, and 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 it's not that, quite frankly, that is not my. My initial response to that. So I love actually that Paul reminds us of of where he's coming from and why he's so passionate.
0: Yeah, I am um, thinking about a sermon I have to preach in a couple months and just getting a little bit of a like seedlings of ideas. And this has put one in my mind of of how so often we think. um, And I know people can't see my hands right now, but uh, you know, like I'm this good. You know, like here's here's God and here's me, and I have this much goodness in me and, because I'm a pretty good person and I've you done are. pretty good things, and, you know, all of these things. And then Jesus fills in my gap between where I stop being good and God is good. And so Jesus fills in that gap. And, and Paul is just, this, this just has hit me so hard. It's like, uh 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 there's no gap. There is no goodness that lives in me apart from Christ. And so it's not Jesus filling in the gap. It's Jesus is the whole gap. Like I am, I am at the very bottom and God is at the very top and Jesus is in between filling all of me. And the only reason I have any goodness in me is because I am, again, as we've talked about uh, in Ephesians, I am in Christ. I am included in in him, he is the goodness that lives in me, and it 's just uh, Paul has just given me his humility and this dependence that he has and you know we see it in other letters of paul it 's very consistent with paul 's character it 's not just here in the book of Ephesians, but we look at first Corinthians and he says for i 'm the least of the apostles i don 't even deserve to be called an apostle, and he goes back to his story because I persecuted the church but but God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am." and his grace to him was without no effect he says it's only because of the grace of god and in first timothy he says it again that that he thanks christ jesus who has given him strength that who considered him trustworthy who appointed him to this service, because he says, even though I was a blasphemer, a persecuted, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. And just putting all this together, I'm like, wow, I have a long way to go when it comes to humility and dependence on the Lord. Well, and I think
1: it's... (laughs) You know our ten my tendency I, I, that's one of the things I do too is I I project you know our tendency no Chris it's your tendency my <laughs> tendency is um, to do that comparison game and and say well you know to your illustration my gap is a little bit less than that person's right. gap and Paul, like that is sinful yeah. and and I think Paul it wants to and that's again part of what chapter two has done he wants to break us of any illusion that um, we can do any of this on our own. It's because of God's grace in Christ's sacrifice and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit yeah in us
0: and that's a lifelong work that we have to Absolutely. allow the Holy Spirit to do in us that's continually transforming us just day by day, week by week, year by year of um, just again reminding us who we really are and, and the riches of God's grace. It's just we could spend a lifetime and hopefully we will get to spend a lifetime uh, doing that that kind of examination. so um, speaking of the riches of Christ, so verse eight. Again, you know, we've talked about Paul's letters. It was funny. Christian and I were joking that um, you know other books have been so easy, so much easier to podcast through because they're more linear. Like James was pretty linear. We could pull topics out of James pretty easily when we went through uh, Nehemiah. You know, we taught Esther, Esther all of those things, narratives. It's like okay, and then we get to Paul, and it's just like this circular, like. You know, trying to follow his logic all the time is more difficult. Uh, But he says in verse 8, the riches of Christ. He uses this... Language throughout the book. In uh, chapter one, verse seven, he says the riches of God's grace. In uh, chapter two, he talks how God is rich in mercy, and then he talks about the incomparable riches or incomparable. I never know how to say that. I don't either. Incomparable, incomparable makes us sound smarter. I think. think Incomparable uh, riches of God's grace. And and Chris, you and I both picked up on this too. That this word. you know it it is a little bit of equivalent to incalculable unsearchable incomprehensible uh there is this word in this riches of of christ in verse eight that this word appears nowhere outside of the biblical greek and so basically paul made up a word uh to try to describe something that is indescribable
1: yeah and and i think again it's that you know having a proper theology and doctrine of who god is and that we are right to wrestle and study and and learn as much as we can about the mysteries you know of god and his character and his plans but don't fool yourself into thinking you're going to ever get it because it's just that big and i think that was a really good reminder i'm guessing especially for these these new gentile believers who come out of a more polytheistic society with all of these, you know, various gods and temples and and gods that were that weren't were limited that were kind of a, you know, not real for starters, but and I think just he's teaching them a proper theology of and a proper doctrine of God and his um you know he it's part of why he also keeps coming back to the idea of God as Creator and father he he's he's teaching them in here as well. It's very missional on on his behalf that even when he's got these little holy rabbit trail asides, he's instructing and mm-hmm. and just those those little turns of phrase is is shaping um properly shaping their view of
0: god yeah yeah and and the word here too is also um. It's based on the word footprint. And so it also has this, um, it brings up this image of someone who is tracking someone. So imagine if you're walking through the woods and you see snowy footprints and you're thinking, I'm going to follow those footprints and see where they go. And that's the other thing that Paul is calling his reader into here, again, into the character of God, that uh, this unfathomable uh, character, goodness, and grace and mercy of God is something like those footprints in the snow that we try to track and we try to search for and guess what we're never going to get to the end of that trail (laughs) we're never actually going to find the fullness of where they go this side of heaven but are we the kind of people who are willing to follow that trail to track uh, and, and take us into those places where we're just searching, 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 knowing that we're never going to get yeah. to the bottom of what we're searching yeah. for. You so know, cool. it's just good stuff. Um, Chris, all right, we're going to move into verses 10 to 12 and I'm going to let you lead out here on this one So I feel like you had some much better wisdom than I did <laughs> on these and I liked what you had to say because this focus is on the church and we've said this throughout this podcast too that So often it's easy for us to think of, how is this affecting me as an individual? Um, and that's good. But Paul was writing this to the church. We don't really always think about um, us as a body together being called to um, not just be a bunch of individuals, but actually to be the bride of Christ as a community. And this letter, more than any other letter in the New Testament, is speaking to the church. And so share a little bit of that insight on these verses. Yeah.
1: Well, full disclosure the first time I read these verses. So, again, if you're listening and don't have your Bible in front of you, I'll just, I'll just pop them back in again here. Um, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purposes that he accomplishes in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first time I read those, I I paused and like, because I think I expected to say, you know, the church is going to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the rest of the world. Mm. Like, back up in the heavenly realms I'm like so wait who is he talking about is he is he talking about angels well why on earth and I so I skipped over it cuz I'm like I don't get it I whatever there's more important stuff later but I kept getting drawn back to it which I'm sure was the holy spirit kind of nudging me like don't just skip it cuz mm-hmm. it's hard and um and what I found was that you know we don't know a whole lot about the heavenly realms, to be real honest, um, and the and the beings oh. that live there, the angels and and the demons, and there's pretty consistent agreement that um, this verse is referring to both. What we do understand, if if we look throughout Scripture, is that um, angels are and demons are also created beings. They are not omniscient, and for a reason that is still beyond our understanding, we as part of the church are part of declaring the unfolding of God's plan in the <laughs> heavenly realms. I don't really know why they need to know it. But apparently they do. And and God has chosen the church, the bride of Christ, to be part of that unveiling. And I found this quote that I and I in my notes, I literally went, what? Because <laughs> it's just crazy. And I found this quote that I just loved. And it says this, it's from Tony Merida. He said, it seems to me that the angels look on at this the church, and they look on it in grace and marvel. They look at God's grace to the church and just marvel at it. While demonic forces, the evil forces, look at On the church and its experience of God's grace in fear and they tremble. The evil forces have already been defeated at the cross and they await their final subjugation. The existence of the church is announcing that their rule is coming to an end once and for all. Praise God. And I just, that just sunk in my bones. And I thought, the church and the grace that God has shown to the church is. Is the reverberation mm-hmm. of that bell that tolled on Calvary, that and and at the empty tomb that Satan didn't win. Those demonic forces, they might still be around and desperately acting to disrupt this world, and they they certainly are. They didn't win, and when the church acts as the church is meant to act, it's mm-hmm. like a nana, nana boo boo mm-hmm. <laughs> at that <laughs> world because it's like. You can try, but you have already been defeated, and that to me mm. just—I I, just—it I, makes me speechless, and it makes me um, excited. It makes me want to like pull up Paul's soapbox and jump on it and and yell and go, Church, we have got to get this right. We've got to hear this because we have the privilege of. Um, Proclaiming this this fulfillment of God's plan that the angels in heaven are singing hallelujah at, and the devils and the demons in hell are Amen. quaking in their boots. Amen. And I just, sorry, it just makes me very excited in a way that's <laughs> unexpected to me. I might add because I tend to
0: cringe away from that stuff because it's. It's too unfathomable and mysterious and yeah, all of that. Yeah, it it is. And, and to your point, it's easier to just say, ah, I'm not going to really think about this. But Paul, he's calling us to this bigger story, right? That's not just the present, but there is an eternity at work yeah. and a reminder that eternity doesn't begin when we die. Eternity is present with us now. It is this, um, you know, the very hard thing to understand of this living in the now and the yeah. not yet, and so there are realities present with us now that are eternal realities that aren't just the things that happen in our soul right. uh, that we're going to go to heaven when we die. But there is this whole spiritual realm at work that God is the forces of evil and the forces of good are battling with one another. If you haven't, if you've never done uh, Priscilla Shire's uh, Armor of God, <coughs> which focuses on I can't remember if it's the whole book of Ephesians or if it's just the armor of God, peace in chapter God, six. Yeah. I think it is. Um, but it's one of my favorite studies. It's fantastic. And she goes at this stuff hard and she does it really well uh, to talk about what it looks like. I will. She says over and over again, in heavenly places. What does it mean in heavenly places? And, and uh, it's really powerful. And so I would encourage you if you haven't gone through that study or even just want to look at some of her videos on that really um, powerful stuff. But there is... There is a battle going on, and we forget that you know Romans talks about all of creation is groaning mm-hmm. to be restored. It's not just us humans that are right. that are uh, groaning to be restored, but there is a creation, there is a cosmos, there is an earth, and it's not like someday God is going to just blow up this earth and start over. He's restoring and making things new, and so there's all kinds of like crazy stuff that's hard for us to get our mind around. But this tips to that, and yeah. it's good to uh, good to be reminded to push ourselves out of our own present.
1: Well, and I think, uh, I mean, this high view of the church that Paul has, he has it because it's been planted in him by the Holy Spirit. And I think it's a really important message for us to hear in 2022, because Mm -hmm. even Christians don't always have a really high view of the church right now. And there's so many studies which... If I'd really done good research, I would have like pulled one up, but about, you know, the number of, you know, the, what do they call them? The nuns who don't claim any church affiliation and people who are like, oh, I'm a Christian, but "Eh, church, not so much, you know, it's burned me. It's hurt me. It's hypocritical. It's whatever. And, and the church is how God does his work. Individuals work as parts of the body within that church, but we are we are called to be the church to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God yeah. to the heavenly realms and to the people here on earth. And so I think this is a message that we really, really need to hear in twenty twenty two is yeah. you know Amen. there's we are meant to be part of the church with a capital C and the church with a little C in your, mm-hmm. you know, in your community.
0: Yeah. And I will put a plug in here. Also, uh, I had Tara Beth Leach on um, last summer, I believe, talking about her book, Radiant Church. Uh, so a plug so for that good. book and a plug for that podcast, where she really dives into that. And it's such a beautiful call for the witness of the church today. So uh, go back and listen to that uh, and pick up her book. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth a read and a listen. Uh, well, Chris, let's transition now to um, the second section, Versus 14 through 20 where um, it is this prayer we finally get to so Paul says for this reason he starts out chapter 3 verse 1 and now at verse 14 um, he says it again for this reason I feel like he's like oh okay by the way my tangent all this really good stuff now for this reason um And again, we see this beautiful humility. So we're going to read those verses in just a minute. But the cool thing about this is it is this place in the book that really is this kind of... um glue maybe between the first three chapters and the next three chapters of this beautiful prayer as he transitions us from thinking about our identity in Christ individually and as a church and then says, okay, now what? How how are you going to live? Which is what we're going to talk about the next few verses. So Chris, can you go ahead and read this beautiful prayer in verses 14 through 20?
1: Yes, and I would say I'm, I'm working on memorizing this beautiful prayer, but mm. since I keep getting tripped up in the beginning of verse 17, I, I will re- just read it
0: today. And see, they wouldn't know. You could have said you memorized uh, it. I know we're women of integrity here, but we, that's you know, I'm just right. saying uh, they, you, they wouldn't have known if you memorized it or are reading it off your paper right now. I'm reading it off my Beauty paper. Beauty of podcasting. For this reason, I kneel before the Father,
1: from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever.
0: Amen. That is a prayer worth memorizing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, I love that he starts out when he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Again, just showing us this posture of humility, independence. Kneeling was not commonplace for Jewish people. It was something rare in their community. And so the fact that someone would kneel, and, and think about this in your own life, if you've ever been in a place of, just wanting to desperately cry out to God where you feel like you are at the end of your rope or you are on your knees for someone else. It's because you're in a place of deep dependence on God. And so that's the posture that Paul is um, writing this from. And he's doing it out of this place of gratitude for this reason. I get on my knees and I pray because I know all of the things that I've said is true of who God has created us to be to this point, the fact that he's adopted us, he has redeemed us, he has forgiven us, he has raised us up with Christ, he has seated us in the heavenly realms with Jesus, he has included us in his family, he has broken down the walls of hostility, he has pulled up chairs at the table, he has made us one. Uh, For these reasons, I get on my knees Uh, before my Father in heaven, and I pray now for you Gentiles, that God may strengthen you with his power in your spirit, in your inner being. And he goes on, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's just this beautiful posture of love that Paul is pouring out for the people that he is um, shepherding to. And Chris, this um, verse 17 so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith there is some really cool stuff around this word dwell that i I just love
1: love. i love it and um you know this is one of those things that i I know i've said it before on this podcast i I really need to learn biblical greek so that i I don't have to read somebody else's book about this to tell me but fortunately other people have done that for me Um, when he talks about christ so again one of the cool things too in this taxology is it's very trinitarian which is one of those things that we kind of take for granted now, but these are the these are the some of the first texts that these people are reading. And in the case of of the Ephesians, they probably don't even have the gospels yet. And and so he's starting to plant these seeds of full doctrine. Um and he kneels before the Father, but then he calls for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. And that word dwell, there's a couple words he could have chosen here. Um But he chose the word that means to settle down. There's another Greek word that means to kind of inhabit, like you're almost like hanging out. But he chose a word that means to settle down. Um, A permanent resident, not somebody who's coming and going, but somebody who's settling in. And um, I can't remember, one of the commentaries I read kind of compared it to like when a young couple buys a house and it's their first house and it's their own house and they, they buy it and they move into it. And they start to pick out paint colors for the walls, and tear up the the old linoleum in the kitchen, and put fresh flooring down, and plant flowers out front, and they transform it to become a place that is fully theirs and reflects their character. And so, in part of 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 Paul playing that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, those just little terms—if you really dig into them—he's he's. he's wants Christ to transform them and for them to be open to that transformation. It's like, he, let him come in and, and do that messy work that happens over a lifetime of, of renovating and transforming your character um, so that you grow to, to be and to look more like him to the outside world and, and the witness that that then becomes.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a. I, I loved that. I I read a few notes on that as well. And just that idea of, yeah, that permanent residence and the fact that He is, he, his, our, our insides, right? Our character is becoming more like Him as we let Him do His work. And that just puts a whole different picture on what it means for Christ to, this is my air quotes, like live in our hearts. Right. You know, to, for what it means to actually dwell and take up residence and more of Him in us than, than us in us. Yeah. Well, and I, I couldn't find this, but I one of my favorite passages
1: in the Bible goes back to John 1, um, and it talks about, and the word became flesh and dwelt among mm-hmm. them. And in the message translation, it says, and the he moved into the neighborhood. And I don't know if it's the same Greek word, but to me at least it has that same feeling of he, he came to, to stay um, with us, and Jesus went back to heaven, but left the Holy Spirit with us, and so came to stay in that respect also. And I just that imagery, just yeah, I just love it because it it's too. so it express it it expresses such love for us. It's not that I'm gonna come in, stir you up, hope you're good, and leave. It's like, no, I'm here, yeah. I'm present with you, yeah. and it's also that inner being piece. I think is super important. Paul's, mm. you know, we know we have we've been placed. In, in physical human form. Like we are embodied souls. But Paul's concern and, and Christ's concern is with our inner
0: being um, and what happens there because that's that's the eternal. Yes. Yeah, it's good stuff. And then he builds on that. So his prayer is that Christ would dwell in them. And then he builds on that um in verses uh i think right after that 1719 now i've set my verses aside um but he prays that they would um love what what does he pray <laughs> i don't have my verses now um that uh something about love it is something about love oh, because that i would, just told totally you said would that. that
1: you would and let's see here i memorized it and now i'm all thrown off because i'm not going in order
0: um oh here. And I pray that being rooted, rooted and established, established in yeah. love. My goodness. All right. And you that's like power along with all the Lord's. Holy you know, people. we did do a whole campaign on this here at this church where we all had to like <laughs> say these verses. I that should be like burned in my memory uh, as it is. But uh that pray that you may be rooted and established in love. So not only that Christ would dwell in them, live in them, that our character Uh, not that our character would look more like Christ, but that Christ's character would actually be more alive in our inner beings, which again, it's not just us trying harder to be better people, but we're actually letting Christ take over our inner being and who we are. And then he goes on to pray that we'd be rooted and established in love. And I thought it was interesting because when he talks about this um, idea of being rooted and established in love, it's not just about us knowing christ 's love more it's not this intellectual place um, you know we know that Christ died on the cross for us, we know that he forgave us it's it's not this place of knowing the things that Christ has done for us, but that we would actually have the power through the Holy Spirit to experience it that we would actually somehow that uh incalculable riches that somehow we would actually be able to experience that in a way that, again, would change who we are. And that's different than just knowing. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think, the again, this
1: rich language that he uses, um, it's going to mean different things to different people in his audience. And, you know, rooted is a very botanical <laughs> or agricultural term. Um, when you think of, of a plant's roots, that's where it gets its nourishment from and its water. And and if a plant has shallow roots, it's, you know, I mean, go back to Jesus in the parables, a plant with shallow roots is easily torn up. And so it, he wants that faith to and knowledge of love to just dig deep. And then the the grounded or established is more kind of architectural or building. And it's that solid foundation, again, back to the parables of, you know, the man who built his house upon the sand and the rock and all that good stuff. Like he wants them to just be solid and firm Mm. and know where their nourishment is coming from and know their firm foundation, not just know it up here in the the head. Um, It's just so much deeper and fuller than that.
0: Yeah. yeah, And so many of us can, that's an easy trap to fall into where we just, you know, we're filling our minds with the stuff that we know, or maybe we even show up at church every week. You know, maybe some, some people listening, it's like they it's the routine, you know, they come to church, that's what they do. They feel good about that. Um, But that's not the same. It's not the same as really experiencing this intimacy with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, as you called out before, um, that Paul is really, it's it's what he's on his knees for, crying out and praying over these people. And what a beautiful prayer for all of us today that we would experience Christ in in that kind of powerful way.
1: Yeah. well, and like so many things it's it's with purpose. He doesn't just want them to know it and experience it for the sake of knowing and experience it. He, he He keeps you know kind of drawing it out so that you would be filled to the measure. Of all the fullness of God, and I love that He doesn't say filled to the measure of all the fullness of me. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's like again that ongoing filling,
0: um, or anything else in our life, or anything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of you know our children, of our career, of our calling, of our you know money, any of those things. It's it's fill with Jesus. Well, and how empowering is that?
1: You know, if you struggle with. <clears throat> grasping your human limitations. Some of, Because some people don't gr- struggle with that. Our, mm-hmm. But I think more, more of us actually struggle with our finiteness and our limitedness. And um, when you know that the things that then, because again, he's going to move us here into chapters four through six. And when they find out what they're being called to do and how they're being called to specifically live, it's good news to know that you're doing that not out of the fullness of you, yeah. but out of the fullness of God.
0: Yeah. You know, and I'm just thinking as we're talking that this podcast will post when we actually get it edited and, and post um, either the day before or on Ash Wednesday, oh, you know, yeah. which is the beginning of our journey of Lent next week. And that's what the Lenten journey is all about. In fact, that's what uh, we're going to be talking about on Ash Wednesday is how how are we less of us and more of Jesus. And that's going to be part of the sermon series that we walk through the, through the whole season oh, of Lent. I so this it. is a perfect setup to tie into that too and continue to to wrestle with these. Because you will also see throughout the scripture that when uh, there are a lot of places where different authors in scripture try to uh, describe God's love and um, the experience of it. You know, I think in Romans, you know, n- neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons, yeah. you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. The prophet Jeremiah says that God has loved us with an everlasting love. All right, everlasting. When you think about trying to under- describe what that is, the psalmists say that God's love is higher than the heavens. Micah says that God's love, uh, he loved us so much that it casts our sin to the bottom of the sea. And so you see all of these different ways that people are trying to grasp something throughout scripture to describe it, uh, something that's really indescribable. And so it's just, again, a reminder of our limitedness and our finiteness. Well, Um, and I'm kind of so glad we can't grasp it, right? Because if we could fully
1: wrap our heads around it, Mm. then it's just another human thing. That's right. And I don't don't want God to be something I can fully grasp or imagine, because then I see a God worth trusting my life with. I'd rather have this this God that I can do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine or dream of, and who loves me more than deep oceans and high mountains and long roads and all of that kind of stuff that's That's the God that mm. I want to be part. Of not part of, but that I want yeah. to fill me,
0: yeah, and follow, Amen. Well, Chris, we just have a few minutes left, and just these last couple of verses, twenty and twenty-one. I know you just touched on those, but these are really kind of the doxology. Of I love a good prayer. doxology. And so <laughs> I would love for you to just make any comments about these last two verses, and then we'll wrap up our time together.
1: You know, it, it's going to bring me back to the church again. Mm-hmm. I think these are um, these are verses that can we can really easily. And people do take them out of context. You know, he can do immeasurably more to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And it there's a temptation to go, Oh, he can? Okay. You know, I was What think, am I gonna ask for? I was thinking <laughs> that I would like to and then, you know, present a laundry list, but you've received these in the the context of the, the chapter and the immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine has to do with honestly, our ability to grasp his love for us and his grace for us, Mm. and then to live in a way that is in relationship with other people that's more than we can imagine we're capable of. Mm. So think of that hardest person in your life or that hardest people group in your life. And he is able to do more than you could immeasurably ask or imagine when you surrender that relationship to him. I mean, that's what he's coming and telling the Ephesians here. He's like, you think, you think that this is impossible. You, you know, you think first of all it might be too hard to come to God, but then you think that Jew, Jewish believers and Gentiles can't live in unity. I am telling you, this God I know is so powerful and so loving and so gracious that with Him, He, he can do more than you're going to ever guess. And look what He did. Yeah, look at this church, is Ephesians tried. church. This is a couple hundred. You know, they're maybe a couple thousand believers at this point.
0: And look what he did. Talk about it measurably more than we can ask or imagine. Yeah, yeah. And not only can he do it uh, through the early church and did he do it, not only can he do it in our lives and in your life, um, but he's already done it. So it just, again, takes us full circle to the reason that we can have put our trust and our hope and the fact that he can do all and more than we can ask or imagine is because when he died on a cross and was raised from the dead he already did it and so again just living in that now and not yet the hope of eternity is not something we wait for but it's something that is with us now and that my friend is good news that is
1: great news
0: well chris thanks so much for being here with us today i can't wait for you to uh come back again as we continue this conversation Well, friends, such a great word to end on. I hope you are feeling just that love, the hope that we live with. And most importantly, I hope God has just met you exactly where you're at. I hope he has spoken a word into your soul about just how infinite the riches of his grace are and how much you are loved as part of his beautiful church today. If you have enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and share that on social media, pass it along to a friend, invite someone else into the conversation as we study the book of Ephesians together. There is no greater compliment than we can have here at Deeper Still is when you share it and invite someone in. Also, just let us know how you are enjoying these episodes. Drop us a note on social media at Women at Facebook or Instagram, or you can always... Email Email me here at the church. I would love to hear from you. If you are listening to this episode before Wednesday, March 2nd, I do want to extend a special invitation for you to join us on our Ash Wednesday service at 7 p.m. here at our Oakbrook location in the auditorium as we start the season of lent together ash wednesday is one of my most favorite services of the year if you've never experienced it just come uh, allow yourself to just be washed by the truth of once again god's grace and his mercy over us as finite human beings we would love to see you there also for the women listening uh, this is really important and excited An announcement today i want you to mark your calendars okay do it right now for April 29th and 30th. It's a Friday night and a Saturday morning when we will be bringing back the If Gathering to Christ Church of Oakbrook. It is an amazing women's conference that we have been doing for the last four years pre-COVID. We haven't gotten to do it since March of 2020. Um, And now we are bringing it back with all the bells and whistles, and we are so excited. Registration for that goes live on March 1st, and you can find out more information at Christchurch.us forward slash women. Uh, but check that out. Sign yourself up. Get registered today. Uh, and if you are connected to another Christchurch family, one of my favorite things about this is event is we get to serve as a host site for um, women throughout our community. We would love to have your church Uh, Be part of what we are doing here So um, if you are connected to another church Contact me or reach out to those people that you know That are connected to other churches Invite them to join us that weekend April 29th and 30th Uh, I would love for us to spread this word And just make this a great comeback story After all we have experienced over the last two years And just celebrate God's goodness uh, As we worship together as women So mark your calendars, register, do it All righty. Well, that's all we have for today. So thanks so much for joining us. We will see you back here in two weeks as we continue the conversation on Ephesians, as we dig into Ephesians chapter four. Have a great day, my friends. And of course, as you go, don't forget to ask how God might be calling you to go deeper still.